Lord bless you this morning. We want to continue on with our study, uh, conquering our demons. And so we're missing a bunch of people this morning that don't want theirs conquered. So we're going to continue on anyway. This, uh, this study is actually a, uh, a study of our flesh. The flesh is our Lord nature. And uh, it, uh, a number of uh, dimensions that we need to think about is you can't cast out your flesh. You can simply uh, gain dominion over it and uh, continue that must be continued through all of life till Jesus calls us home and transforms us. Can you understand that? So uh, flesh can't be uh, cast out. It, it's not a demon actually, but the terminology was, uh, co was uh, coined by the church fathers, early church fathers, the desert fathers, Augustine, who uh, compiled this statement. Uh, there are generally uh, seven uh, different dimensions. And so they, uh, this is not the only sins that there are, but for some reason they compiled these through and it became very common to call that uh, conquering our demons. And so uh, avarice, uh, they gave the title to greed. Uh, Luxuria, they gave to lust uh, in the sexual sense, or sensuality, envy, anger, uh, appetite or gluttony, sloth, sloth which uh, was laziness, and then pride, which we're going to uh, study today. So we want to go through these, and, uh, and there are abundance of scripture that is there. But the main thing is that we can, since these are sins, we can uh, conquer these and we can also find grace for forgiveness of these. Can you say amen? So I want somebody to get for me Proverbs 16, verse 18. Tom's going to get that for me. I want Isaiah 14, 13 through 17. Jeff Cooper. I want Genesis 3, verse 3. Uh, somebody get that for me is Woody. And uh, then we're going to work through those as we uh, open our study this morning. Conquering our demons. This is the terminology that was given by the early church fathers. And uh, they, uh, they actually, uh, we're going to take pride today. They actually uh, gave pride to be the queen over all the other demons. And uh, they, they, they felt that these were, the, all of our other uh, uh, areas that uh, they had a connection with pride. And so uh, they considered uh, uh, this to be uh, an objective power uh, that came from outside, which is what sin is, often referred to as demons. And they're related words to pride, which is arrogance, uh, haughtiness, and conceitedness, egocentric, narcissistic, which we mention often, and presumptions or being vain. So pride is a disease that everyone knows you have but you. That's a common uh, statement that we have. So I wonder if uh, we could open this uh, conquering pride, uh, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. If Tom would like to read that for us this morning. 
Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So to understand uh, pride, we need to go back to the origin and we have to go back to the history of pride and this is recorded in the Bible. Uh, quite frequently in uh, discussing with uh, the people who really have insight into some deeper things in the scripture and are really wanting to gain insight, they will begin to uh, question uh, the beginning of all of this and uh, we catch just a, uh, a hint of something that predates the garden and this has to do with Lucifer Isaiah 14, and I believe it's uh, is, uh, Ezekiel 28, just catch us a little hint. Something that begins before the fall in the garden, but uh, relates to that, and that's Lucifer's fall. So Isaiah 14, 13 through 17, if Jeff will read that for us, we want to take a look at that. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? Okay, here is a text that relates to uh, ancient uh, history. We're not sure when this took place, uh, but this relates to the fall of man. And I believe it's uh, Isaiah uh, 28 carries another passage of scripture that relates to that. Seven times uh, this creature says, I will, I will, I will, I will. And this is Lucifer. Uh, this is the devil. Uh, who at one time held a very high position uh, in God's creation and because of pride uh, left that position to uh, to try to pursue uh, another uh, dimension. He brings this pride into the garden and uh, tempts uh, Adam and Eve with this and as he brings this in he gives us a little bit of insight uh, that so speculation uh, can uh, tie into here. I, my personal opinion, I believe that the earth was at one time Lucifer's domain, and he comes into this uh, creation of God, Adam and Eve, uh, and he comes into this uh, with bitterness, uh, hatred, and desire to bring man down through his sin. So you can you can do your own speculation of that. Many books uh, talk about this and all, but he brings us in then to the garden, and this is where we pick up Adam and Eve and their temptation. Genesis 3, verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, if you read the scripture there, you find that offered to Adam and Eve as the aspiration that they'll be like God. This is central to that, uh, which uh, is their temptation. And uh, uh, so this brings us then to pride. Uh, pride is an aspiration to be superior, superior to other people or to view yourself uh, as being superior to other people and symbolic uh, 
in a number of depictions and a number of emphases. It, one, uh, one prominent uh, uh, historical figure, Edmund Spencer's pageant of the seven deadly sins, uh, it calls the Fairy Queen on the special occasion of Pride's visit to Jove in this uh, drama. However, her coach, uh, this is, this is quite a, a Pride, his depicted as a queen. Her coach is drawn by her six sage counselors. Uh, and so the other deadly sins, each riding on a beast that symbolizes sloth or laziness, uh, rides on a donkey. And you know the stubbornness of donkeys. They won't do anything till you beat them. So uh, gluttony as swine, and uh, the nature of pigs is well known. Lechery or sexual sin is a goat. Uh, avarice or greed is a camel because of how many, how much a camel can hold. Uh, envy is a wolf, uh, and wrath is like a lion. So here's this drama, and uh, many writers in the past, in trying to wrestle with or to depict this business of the seven deadly sins, have written uh, extensively about this, and that's just one of the. Then another, uh, which is the Testament of Reuben, says, And now give heed to me, my children, concerning the things which I saw during my time of penitence, concerning the seven spirits of deceit. First, the spirit of promiscuity, that's lust, resides in the nature and senses. A second spirit of insatiability or gluttony in the stomach. A third spirit of strife uh, uh, in the liver and the gall, which is anger. A fourth spirit of trickery and uh, flatteries, vainglory, uh, in order that uh, through excessive effort one might appear to be at the height of his uh, power. A fifth spirit of arrogance, which is pride, that one might be boastful and haughty. A sixth spirit of lying, which through destructiveness and rival rivalry handles uh, his affairs smoothly and secretly, even with his relatives in his household. A seventh spirit of injustice, uh, with the, which are thefts and uh, crooked de dealings, uh, in order that one might gain his heart's desire. So they didn't all agree on uh, the seven deadly sins, but they're interestingly, they are depicted in uh, in a imagery that we can identify and that uh, each individual can come to grips with his own uh, uh, particular problem. So I want uh, some more scriptures. I want over in my left uh, in this uh, section, Devon, Genesis 4, 23 and 24. I want Genesis 11, verse 3 and 4, Dennis. I want Daniel 4, 28 through 32 is uh, Little Woody. I want uh, I want Second uh, Kings nineteen twelve and thirteen, which is Robert. So let's move through these because here are some biblical examples uh, that will help us to get an imagery and identify uh, with this in the Scripture. So Genesis four twenty three and twenty four. We have an interesting uh, uh, fellow whose name is Lamech. Then Lamech said to his wives Ada and Zillah. Hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, and Lamech seventy-sevenfold. So here is a boastful creature, his name is Lamech, and so he, it's recorded, he says to his wives, uh, uh, if uh, 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 Cain will be avenged, uh, 
uh, a seven, if you can't be avenged, uh, a sevenfold, truly Lamech, 70 and 7. So he feels he's uh, uh, of such prominence and importance uh, that uh, his vengeance ought to be far greater. And so this is how pride operates, uh, wants to excel or be above others uh, and actually dominate himself over them. Daniel 4, 28 through 32 is a classic statement of Nebuchadnezzar. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power, for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. Okay, here's uh, Nebuchadnezzar. This is a, a very prominent uh, part of Scripture, who uh, uh, built uh, Babylon. And uh, as, he, uh, as he built that, you have one of the seven wonders of the world no longer exists, but in history was recorded, was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And so those are supposed to be one of the seven wonders of the world. And he's, uh, he's walking on, uh, on the walls of the palace, which uh, memory, uh, all the fact checkers got their phones out this morning. So it's either 12 or 24 chariots could, could race uh, abreast on uh, tremendous buildings that are there. And so he's walking, looking all over this, and he's feeling uh, pretty, uh, pretty spiffy. And he says, look at this, look at this, which my hands have built. Well, uh, obviously, it took a great deal, many more hands than Nebuchadnezzar's. Amen. He, he may have been uh, at the, uh, at the uh, 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 pinnacle there of, uh, of, of activity. But uh, many, many more people were involved in that than him. And, uh, but he's feeling uh, pretty godlike. And so uh, as he says that, a voice came from heaven and said, oh, is that so? Well, uh, uh, you're going to be seven years like, like a, a beast. And so seven years he's on his all for eating grass for his meal. His uh, nails uh, grow like uh, claws on a, on a bird and his hair grows like feathers and so until seven years is over and he comes to his senses. And so may we pray that God gives us sense enough to humble ourselves. Can you say amen? I, I used to know an old missionary and he would often say that, I pray that God give me an, enough sense to humble myself so that he doesn't have to do it. And so uh, I didn't fully understand that when he first said it, but I do understand today. And may we all be praying that prayer. Can you say amen? Uh, because uh, seven years it's recorded actually until he finally comes to his senses. And then the, uh, the uh, word of God came to him and restored him to his uh, position. A classic of this is Sennacherib. He's a famous uh, uh, ruler in time past. Second Kings 19, 12 and 13. Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed at Gaza and Haran and Rezbah and the children of the Egyptians who were in Bethlehem. Where is the king of Hena, the king of Arphad, the king of the city of Shepherd, of Hena and Ivan? 
go go to verses uh, uh, verse thirty five, if you will. Verse verse thirty five, I guess. I just want the thirty five. I want the eighty five thousand. That's what I'm after. <laughs> Okay, here is a uh, ruler. He's become quite arrogant and haughty. He's become very proud of his military accomplishments. And so he's uh, before the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem's under siege. They're vastly outnumbered. And this is when Hezekiah... Uh, gets a letter uh, written from him, and uh, this letter is boasting about how powerful he is and all the cities that he's conquered. Actually, he had conquered the 20 uh, fortified cities beginning with Hazar in the north of Israel, uh, coming down in the last, uh, in 19, was Lachish, just before Jerusalem, a short distance from Jerusalem. And here now, he's uh, before Jerusalem. He's boasting uh, and saying, you needn't think that you're going to hold out because he's, he's reading off his record that is there. Isaiah, uh, or Hezekiah takes it to Isaiah and, uh, and spreads it before the Lord in prayer. And uh, God answers him, uh, which is uh, a, a tremendous insight that God not only hears prayer, but he can read too. And he reads this boast that, that uh, this man made. And that night, the angel of the Lord passed through uh, the camp of uh, Sennacherib. And uh, as he passed through, 185,000 soldiers lying dead the next morning. And he uh, turns tail and heads back to Syria. And God wrought a wonderful, wonderful deliverance. And, uh, and this is a good example of that was there. So we got pride. Pride, uh, we threw out the scripture. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit uh, before fall. And there's great lessons even for our generation uh, in that as we ponder that. Now we're going to uh, go through some more, but maybe we have some uh, questions or some input before we move on. Do you have any questions or any input that will help us this morning? Anybody here who's recently been humbled in their pride that can help us? Okay, Phil. Well, you made the statement that pride is the queen of the sins. Yeah. I can see it because at the basic level of all sin is the thought, I can do what I want to do. And when you said the initial temptation of Adam and Eve was you can be like God, which is also the same thing as saying you don't need God anymore. That's right. And we have to always remember we're created and he's the creator. We're never going to be unattached to him in that relationship. We're never going to come to the place where we don't need God. So that's why pride is crazy. Okay, if you, if you didn't hear his statement, he says pride is connected with all of that. As, as I read about the queen, right, and the chariot drawing the chariot and the uh, beasts that are they're pulling that. So this is very true. And what he says is that this relates back to the garden when uh, uh, the desire that we don't need God. We can make the decisions ourselves because we're so smart and we uh, have, have. So uh, I think I've said before that uh, you, you, it so grips you 
uh, when you're on one of these tours or if you've ever been into these cities in, in Europe and some of these places, it so grips you that uh, here we see the tremendous accomplishments that we have and yet on the, uh, when you tour uh, in many of these places, vast empires that the ruins, you're, you're going to these ruins and seeing the fantastic buildings that they built and seeing the vast conquests that they made that today are gone and in the process of time. And then added to that always, uh, uh, always absolutely astounds me how many of them are covered over. I mean, the time, uh, sand has covered them over, the debris of time, and they have to dig under to finally get the ruins of them because they're not even visible, I think. And this last tour, it, it struck me because we had gone to uh, Laodicea uh, seven years ago, and uh, there is a theater over on a, uh, on a near a canyon that uh, seemed like it holds 6,000 or 7,000. It's built on the side of that. And you had to walk from where the ruins of the hot pipes, the hot and cold running water uh, that came from the spring far away in the ruins of Laodicea. You had to walk across over and there was nothing there but dirt over to see that. This year, there's excavations the entire way where a city lay under our feet. I mean, it was just stunning to see that. Their pillars now have been erected that were underneath. They had fallen, and here they are erected in among the ruins that are there in some of the basic wall, and it just struck you. I mean, we're talking about a powerful, powerful city. Vast buildings built by men, and uh, nothing there but covered over by the de debris of time. It's just, it, it makes you think to yourself, you see all the vast accomplishment, and yet today, nothing's there but the ruins of the vast accomplishments uh, of humanity. And if you are, are open, it'll, it'll be kind of humbling to think that what we enjoy and, and, and ride in and walk on can disappear in the process of time and undoubtedly will. Casey. Uh, in the story of Matthew Uzziah, where it talks about the scribe, uh, contrast the The story of who? Uzziah. Yes. Contrast pride versus self-will, or are they synonymous? Is that the same thing? Yeah, Uzziah, I just put together the outline of the sermon. I haven't finished it yet. But uh, Uzziah, it says uh, he was wonderfully prospered uh, until uh, his heart was lifted up. So that's pride. And then it goes on to say, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And I can't remember the scripture offhand, but I put together an outline. I haven't finished the sermon yet. Needs a lot of work, but that was Josiah. Uh, he, uh, he was not happy to uh, be a king. He was, he was a king, King Josiah, but he wanted to be a priest. And so he wanted to go in, took a censer. He's going to go in and, uh, and do the work of a priest. And 85 preachers said, don't do this, Uzziah. Don't, don't do this. You know, if one preacher is talking, you may, you know, as well, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe even two. But when 85 are doing this, you, you ought to pay attention that somebody may have the mind of God, right? And so while they're there uh, tr trying, to, uh, trying to convince him, 
Uh, he's smitten with leprosy in their sight and spends his days uh, separated from the rest of society because there's a leper. So that's Uzziah, pride. His heart was lifted up. That's what it says. Use that term. Good. Got thinkers this morning. So Ken Herman. Uh, that, that reminds me of uh, Miriam when her and Aaron rise up in pride and rebellion. She comes down with leprosy. And uh, when I was reading that, it's interesting that uh, it points out that the presence of God leaves. God, God takes up and moves out for a while after that. And also, the people of God stopped dead in their tracks. It says that they didn't uh, move on until she got healed and came back. Miriam, sister of, of uh, Moses, and uh, they didn't like his wife, right? Because she was an Egyptian. They were prejudiced, and they were murmuring. I know that nobody today murmurs because we're all saved. <laughs> but uh, might think about that, especially if you're a woman. You know, you might, you might consider that uh, because we've got a bad track record of women this morning. We got uh, Eve, and then we've got Miriam. So. <laughs> Uh, we need some women to defend themselves this morning. Woody, you going to defend the women? Uh, I'm just going to point out that the, that the number one commandment of those who are professed followers of Satan is do what thou wilt. Yeah, do what thou wilt, which is uh, was the original temptation. If you will eat this fruit, you'll be like God, and then you can do what you will. Right? So I had another hand. Uh, here's a, uh, Marie's going to give us a defense of the women. Well, I just want to ask a question because I was thinking, how is insecurity connected to pride? Insecurity. Okay, here's a defense of the women. <laughs> uh, well, uh, without preaching this morning, uh, there's always the question of where was Adam when all this was taking place, right? And so that's the great question uh, and uh, the uh, no clear answer, but obviously he was not there providing a defense for his wife. So that's why she was insecure. That help you any? No, that didn't help her. Okay, Wayne's going to help us. He's an intellect. Somewhere in the scripture it says that the Lord tempts no one. And yet, when you read Genesis on the surface, it appears as though the Lord was tempting Eve, and eventually Adam, by exposing this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I realize Satan played a huge part in the fall. But how do you reconcile those two? The Lord setting this tree there, it could be argued as a temptation, with the scripture that says the Lord tempts no one. Has to do with the degree. Uh, two scriptures come to my mind. One is First Corinthians 4.13. Uh, that, uh, it just slipped my memory. 4.13 4, 4, is, uh, let no one say when he's tempted, uh, that's James 1.12. I'm, uh, that I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man is left, led, led aside of his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Then when sin is finished, it brings forth death. 
Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is to overtake you except it is come to man. Uh, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted uh, beyond that what you're able. But will the temptation will the temptation make a, also may a way of escape that you may be able to bear it? So you're dealing in the uh, in the wisdom of God with the degrees that's happening. One of the, uh, I preached a sermon about this years ago, and so uh, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, concerning Ahab. And so uh, God says, how am I going to, uh, how, am I, how am I going to deal with this guy? And so uh, the, the information comes forth. Uh, one uh, spirit says, I'll go down and I will be a lying demon in the mouth of his uh, of his prophets so ahab's already in trouble right and so does so and he believes them and in that that ends his life so my my summation was that in the ending of it all when we're judged in eternity no one will be able to say god you're not fair yes right Ahab made a fatal mistake. He was he he was he, he was he he heard what he wanted to hear. His will is already set. He hears what he wants to hear, and you know the story that uh, he has. Uh, who is Hezekiah? Is it dresses in a different uh, uh, different uh, his dress, and he goes unrecognized, and someone fires an arrow at an at a at a venture. It says just his. They're not aiming at, and it goes right between the chinks of his armor, guided by God. So, uh, uh, it has to do with 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 God's purpose. Has to do with the depths and the degree. So maybe Don's got an answer for us. No, or Yvonne. Here's a woman. The woman is going to come get the answer to this. God doesn't our free will either. No. Yeah. You know that works into it. Okay. That's what I was going to say. God gave us a free will, and it seems like He is creating a delicate balance there between giving man a free will and yet not tempting man. Yep. And letting Satan do his thing for eons. Uh, it's the larger dramas playing out, and I don't have all the answer to that, but there's a larger drama playing out over and above, which in the, in the ending of is the judgment of Lucifer. It overrides all of this, and then but that doesn't give us an excuse to say it's uh, no problem. Uh, okay, good, good insight. Yes. Well, it's like uh, you know we don't see the end from the beginning. God does. So, in regards to that temptation, I, I think of uh, Joseph, where he says to his brothers, "You meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good." Yeah. Yeah. So a greater drama. Okay. We'll carry this debate out next week, all right? <laughs> so moving on just a moment, uh, we want to get some biblical admonitions here. Proverbs 16, verse 5, I need somebody on the far side, which is Casey. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 is Matt. Uh, Luke 18, 9 through 14 is who? Uh, Steve? Yes. Okay. You'll get those for me. Let me get some more. 
Hold those so that I'm not embarrassed thinking I didn't do that when I call on you. Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2. Somebody over here. Uh, is uh, Justin. Uh, Mark 7, 22 is uh, Jordan. First uh, Timothy 3, 6. Who is it, Rob? Okay. Okay. Let's move through those. And uh, here's the biblical, biblical admonitions. Because God is adamantly opposed to pride, and this is, uh, it, it is the prime sin of Lucifer that caused all creation to be plunged into chaos, and this is possibly why God so severely judges it. Uh, Proverbs uh, 16, verse 5. Everyone proud and hard is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go upon Okay, one verse says, So hand, join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Okay, pride look and it's tied in with all the other dimensions of that. Luke eighteen verses nine through fourteen. Okay, this is a profound uh, picture of two men go up to pray. Uh, one uh, is very proud of his uh, accomplishments, his standing with God, his deeds. Uh, the other wouldn't even, uh, uh, he wouldn't even account to even had any uh, favor with God, uh, which is the publican or tax collector beats on his chest, says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus tells this parable or uh, as he tells this, uh, then he brings into uh, bold relief what was happening every day as he was there. And he says, this man goes down to his house righteous, accepted by God. The other prayed with himself. It's obvious that God wasn't listening to him. Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding but expressing his own heart. Okay. A man who isolates himself, which uh, the context is that he is living a life for himself. He's not really concerned about other people, which, uh, 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 which I have preached in times past. We're created social creatures, and it is other people, if we will allow uh, God's grace to move in us, that brings us into check. A person who is a hermit uh, is, is, uh, falls on bad time. You've heard me say uh, that uh, man, man uh, needs to get married, 
because uh, if he if he if he doesn't, uh, then uh, he begins to live in a cave, eat bugs, and smell like a hog. <laughs> but woman was given by God to draw him out of that cave and to civilize him. You heard me say that over and over again. This is true with, uh, with people. You find people who will not associate with other people, they get they're really, really strange. Uh, if you will associate with other people, they have a habit of telling us sometimes the truth. Can you say amen? And uh, that helps us face ourselves even though we may not like that. And this is what Proverbs 18.1 is talking about uh, in the scripture. Then I want Mark 7 verse 22. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. Pride linked together with all of this. First Timothy 3 verse 6. Not a novice must be lifted up with pride and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Okay, many manifestations of this. Let me read you a quote from one of the uh, uh, writers. This is a poem, actually contains a poem, which is very profound. Listen to this poem. Shun pride, O Ray, whatever sort beside. You take in lieu, shun spiritual pride. A pride there is of rank, a pride of birth, a pride of learning, and a pride of purse. A London pride, in short, uh, in short, there be on earth a host of prides, some better, some worse. But of all the prides since Lucifer's attain, the proudest swells a self-elected saint. To picture that cold pride so harsh and hard, fancy a peacock in a poultry yard. Behold him in, in conceited circles sail, strutting and dancing, and now planted stiff to all his pomp and pageantry, as if he felt the eyes of Europe on his tail. So here I've, I've used the middle part of that several times about pride. Uh, the, the worst of these is a self-appointed saint. So there we have it with the port. So we want to move on uh, a little bit. I'm going to come after the women right here. So I want Isaiah chapter 3, 16 through 24. Uh, and, and, and any uh, men that were brave enough to? Oh, Dennis said. <laughs> and First uh, Peter three three through five is Devon, and uh, I want Matthew eleven twenty nine. Uh, Tom, Philippians two five through eight is uh, Hernandez. First uh, John two fifteen through seventeen is uh, Mr. McCarty. Uh, uh, Daniel and 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Somebody help me here quickly. David Sanchez. He's he's not too brave there sitting by his wife, so he will. James chapter 4 verse 7. Help us. Is uh, the boy from uh, Guam. Can't remember his name now. James 4 verse 7. Second Chronicles 32 26. Okay. Let's see if we can make everybody mad this morning. So Isaiah underlines this, and uh, let me say that some men are, are just as bad as women are at this. But let's read Isaiah. He picks up and he starts to pick on the women. Verse 16 through 24. Moreover, the Lord says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, 
and walk with outstretched necks and want knives, walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will uncover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets and the veils, the headdresses, the leg ornaments and the headbands, the perfume boxes, the charms and the rings, the nose jewels, the, the festal apparel and the mantles, the outer garments, the purses and the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans and the robes, and so it shall be. Okay, so I'm looking at a different uh, translation, but that, that covers it all. So what he's really dealing with there is immodesty. You know, I was in uh, Perth last week, and the privilege to represent you there in the leadership in their conference. And so we're in a hotel, and uh, uh, people, various people are entering as we go up and down. And uh, some chick gets on with her, uh, I hope it was her boyfriend, not her husband. And so uh, as uh, she's there, she's got one of these crocheted blouses on, her back's to me, and I'm, I just glanced over. This chick didn't have a bra on. <laughs> and I can't imagine what it looked like in front because everything would have been showing. And I said to my, that chick didn't have a bra on, did she? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said, I hope that was her boyfriend, not her husband, because if her husband let her dress like that, he's in big trouble, I'll tell you for sure. Immodesty, I can't, I can't even grasp that. And of course, we're, we're in Australia in the summertime, and uh, it's, a, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a, you, you being in a, a bad place, I mean, the, because, the, the, and it's immodesty. Uh, why women want to show as much of their skin today as uh, will keep them out of jail is beyond me. It's immodesty and it's laid hold. That's what he's talking about here in Isaiah. So uh, uh, Peter exhorts the same thing, First Peter 3, 3 through 5. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Okay, this strikes at the very heart of the of modesty, but not only that, of uh, pride and uh, and how they look. The more skin that women can uh, can display, the more stylish they feel, apparently. But you need to know that uh, queers uh, are the at the leader leadership of creating styles for women, and uh, that explains a lot of it, I'm sure. So we have a biblical cure. Uh, I want Matthew 11:29 on my far left. Uh, who is it? Uh, Rich Merck. I want Philippians 2: 5 through 8. Uh, which is Casey. I want, uh, did I get this already? Okay, I'm, I'm doubling up. So whoever had Matthew eleven twenty nine, read that, read that to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your Okay, there's the ob opposite of mankind and men uh, than, uh, than, uh, than pride. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God, not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of Mary. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And here's our example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have many scriptures now. Let's get these quickly. First John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Okay, so that bondage uh, uh, itself and puffed up, there's pride again. James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's humility. It submits to God. Second Chronicles 32, 26. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, being the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Okay, so here is the real issue, of course, is a life totally submitted to God and trusting God, in our, not in our own strength or ability, and giving glory to God for every accomplishment that we're allowed to be participating in. Okay, we've got about uh, five minutes or so. Uh, comment. Betty's going to defend the women this morning. Well, not twice. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want the way out. 
So you're never going to tell him all of our faults then. <laughs> Very good comment. And Stephanie? who was Mark Twain who uh, said that when he was uh, when he was 18 he couldn't believe uh, how stupid his dad was and when he got to be 25 he couldn't believe it how much the old man had learned Very good. All right, we got time for maybe one or two more comments. Way over. Is, is it Rob? Yes, go ahead. Real loud for us. I've got a question uh, because uh, it, that scripture says the pride of his heart. And so, my conclusion, and obviously, you have to come to the conclusion that God is able to judge because he's the only one that really sees in the heart and can make, make a righteous judgment. Of what is in people's hearts. So my question is, uh, it's not just pride, but just kind of everything. Can people do uh, as, as they're living their life? Can can one person do something and be judged for it by God because of the sin of whatever's in their heart, and another person do the exact same thing and not be judged by God because he sees what's in the heart? Judgment's relative to time. I always remember that. But uh, your comment is correct that God knows what's in the heart, and that was what he did to Ahab, is that he allowed his own heart to be deceived, because that's what he wanted to hear. And that's what he believed. While the other king is saying, you know, we need to hear from a man of God. Okay, so pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
God bless you for participating today.